0: Hey everyone, welcome to Resistance Radio. I'm John Cain. I am your host, and um, I do have a uh, a specific Resistance Radio show today. I and I don't want to make any apologies for last week, but um, and I have to tell you, I am still really, really bothered, really annoyed, angered at what uh, New York State uh, Governor Kathy Hochul did to the Senecas. Um, anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, I encourage you to check out last week's show. Uh, it was posted up as a, as a podcast not only for resistance radio but also for uh, let's talk native um, the, you know you 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 sometimes run into events that are that actually make you know they're, they're so egregious I guess and and the idea that the that the governor of the state of New York froze all of the Seneca Nation accounts I mean that's and you know look, it's hard necessary It's hard maybe to compare it to to starving a people out or whatever else. Um, but when you freeze all the accounts and those accounts fund not only the nation but all the nation programs, those those accounts funded every employee of the Seneca Nation, including all the employees of uh, of the uh, Seneca Gaming Corporations, their their casinos, uh, and all the vendors and everything else. I mean, you realize what an aggressive actor it really was, and and, and that's why. I really felt like I had to do a show that united both my podcast and and my radio shows together, uh, because I, I was so angry I knew I'd just be repeating the same message. So, but that's not what I'm doing here today. Um, you know, today first off, let me again remind people we we are listener supported radio. We um, we depend on your contributions for both WBAI and WPFW. Uh, I want to remind people what the what the call in or what the what the pledge number is for. WBAI, it is 212-209-2950. That's 212-209-2950. You can go online at give2wbai.org. I'd love to see some folks in the New York area become uh, BAI buddies. Uh, you know, I used to I, I used to have a few, and I'm not sure how many I have now. <clears throat> but uh, I'd love to see you become sustaining members of the station by joining the buddy program. And you can do that simply by calling the number. Uh, or following the prompts and suggest that you want to contribute five dollars a month or ten dollars a month. Not a whole lot of money, but you know these, that kind of sustaining contribution is something that allows us to budget. It allows us to know that that income is there uh, without having to ask for it over and over and over again. Um, same thing goes for WPFW. If you that pledge line is two zero two five eight eight nine seven three nine, or you can go online to uh, at wpfwfm.org and, and look they don't have they don't call it a buddy program but they have the same kind of um, uh, setup for for making a contribution to become a sustaining member of the station to do uh, an ongoing donation that's a small amount each month and uh, you know and if 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 you do so it it not only helps out the station it sends a message that you're that you're listening to this program if you're uh, if you list this program as uh, as as the program that encouraged you to do so. Um, so anyway, we are listeners listener-supported radio. We, we depend and count on your contributions. All right. So, you know, in years past, I, have had, um, Stephen Newcomb on my show a few times. We've talked primarily about the doctrine of Christian discovery, uh, his book, uh, Pagans in the Promised Land, um, the, the film that he and, uh, Sheldon Wolfchild put together, which is, uh, again, the doctrine, uh, of discovery film. Uh, I've, I've shown the film in New York right down there in, in in the comments I've you know we've done a lot together over the years well, I, re- I recall having a conversation with stephen Newcomb and and I've seen some of his writing where he talked about the use of words and labels that uh, you know labels in particular that are that are placed on native people but it's not just native people but one of the words that that he felt like we needed to give more attention to because of it becoming even more widespread in its usage is the word indigenous. And as it put, as it's put together with, uh, with peoples, indigenous peoples. his concern was the international definition of, of indigenous people was oftentimes framed around the dominant culture around us. The, the, the colonization that we essentially, uh, you know, that of our territories, of our, of our, you know, of our environment. And so it was oftentimes cast as within this um, dominant culture that we were the descendants of the original people who predate that, that colonization, who predate, who predate that, you know, all that colonialism. And I mean, one of the things that that bothered Stephen about this and and likewise bothers me, (coughs) excuse me, is that, is that it It, it almost uh, pitches us as not being those original people anymore, but merely descendants of them. <clears throat> and that on its face may not seem like a big deal, but, but it really is. And so this, this expression, indigenous peoples, still has us currently, our, our contemporary existence framed as Again, not only just merely being descendants of, of an original people, but essentially saying that we're not those original people. And, you know, so I get into this this debate or this question, are we defined by the labels? I mean, look, we've been called Indians, still are in many places, Native Americans, American Indians, tribes, First Nations, you know, any number. And then even the individual, the names of, of what they um consider our tribal affiliation even most of those are made up names i mean i i, I tell people that i'm that i'm mohawk but i also have to have to clarify and say well the real term is gunyagahaga the people of the land of flint mohawk again is, is a name that was imposed upon us it's kind of like the lakota being referred to as uh as Sioux. and you know these and these names and these labels become embedded i mean Everybody's familiar with Standing Rock, and and what are the uh, what are the Lakota of Standing Rock referred to, especially by the federal government, the Standing Rock Sioux. Well, Sioux isn't even it's a bit of an insult. It's not it's not a word that the Lakota really embraced, but have grown and many have grown to accept it. It's, it's like it's like me accepting you know being labeled a Mohawk. And and the etymology of these these words are oftentimes pretty derogatory. And they, you know, so the, while on the face, it just seems like a label that you, you attach to somebody, those labels have meanings. So when you call us an Indian, and you know that the word is inappropriate. The word comes from Columbus, believing he had reached Indonesia. Not, no, he didn't believe he reached India. And I know everybody says it that way, but but he, he believed that he reached what was considered the, the, uh, uh, the East Indies. And that's why he called the people that he came upon Indians. And anybody else who says otherwise is, is, is just bought into this, this narrative that says, oh no, he meant we were people of God in Deus, or something like that, which is, which, you know, that's been debunked. So that's not even true. He thought he had reached Asia. He thought he had reached the the easternmost islands of what was considered Indonesia or the, or the East Indies. And, and he died believing that. He never he never he died not knowing that he had reached an entire landmass that was unknown by by the Europeans for all intents and purposes. You know, I mean in spite of Vikings or whatever. else, You know he he this, this is what he he died believing. But the label sticks. So what is it I mean what does it matter or what does it mean to have a label stuck on you that is not accurate? Well, among the things is that words like Indian or Native American or American Indian become these these pan-Native terms. So it just means all of us. So it's a label attached to us, but those labels are framed by by colonialism. I mean, the, the word Indians comes from the original colonizer. To be called a Native American. You know, well, what's an American? And what is a Native American? So are we being defined by labels that came after you came here, you know, that 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 you brought with you? I mean, it's the same thing with American Indian. So while I reject, and I, and I don't use any of those terms, you know, I do use something a little bit more benign, which is, you know, native, without Indian, <laughs> Indian or American attached to it. But I also try to make an effort to say, no, I'm... I'm Gonyagahaga. I'm That's our word that is a general or broad term for all original people here. But indigenous, you know, look, there's the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Well, if, if this, this is the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, and if you're only looking at indigenous peoples as descendants of the original people and not those original people, that get, becomes problematic. And it becomes problematic because, essentially, it, it it assumes a certain amount of indoctrination and assimilation that we are that you know again that we derive our rights from either the the dominant culture around us or in this case the international community's uh, you know minimum standards for rights that uh, that we somehow deserve. Although the international community has no, not only no authority, but, but no intent to, um, to see to it that those rights are, uh, are honored and respected. And even though they say, look, these are the minimum standards. But we, and I, I guess where this became more apparent to me, you know, it, it starts with, with every time you have a conversation with somebody, you say, well, I'm not really an American. And, or, if I, or if I talk to a politician and I remember going through this with, with a with a congressman in in Western New York and and you know you go through this whole process as you're talking to their you know to their staff and they say, Well, are you in our district? And I said, Well, no, I'm I live on the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. And they said, Well part of that's in our district, he said, Well, it really isn't. I mean, you might put it on your maps, but we aren't in your congressional district. And so I'm not asking to speak with the congressman because he's my congressman. I'm asking to speak with him because he is a congressman who gets involved in making decisions that affect us. So you, you, and so you keep going through this whole idea about, well, am I part of his constituency or her co- constituency? And, and you can't, I mean, it takes, I mean, it, it's an exercise to go through. And sometimes it's, it's, it's exhausting, you know, because you don't really wanna insult anybody. But you, but in turn, you are being insulted because the, the assumption is that we are theirs, that our land is theirs. So this is where, where it becomes problematic. And, and that's just one example. Another example is something I just witnessed recently, which we've seen play out over and over again. A group of uh, native men, predominantly Mohawks, but or, it doesn't matter who they were, but a group of native men were fishing last week. And New York State's Department of um, Environmental conservation, or whatever they're called, they're 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 uh, rangers. They're forest rangers, I guess they are. Um, told them they couldn't fish there, and these guys said, of, "Of course we can." And you know, part of the argument that the these um, park police or whatever they weren't well, they weren't even in a park, but I I don't know. Part of the, well, the argument was that they're saying, "Well, there's a the fish hatchery over here. Well, we're not catching fingerlings." So what difference does it make? There's a fish hatchery there, and 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 what the these police officers kept saying is, well, we have to treat everybody the same, and therein lies the problem, because those guys aren't the same as everybody else. They are native people. They are people who, whose ancestors, up to re- very recently, in fact. you the same generation and, and beyond have been fishing. They've been fishing all along, long before white people ever showed up. So to have a white man with a you know with his uniform on say, no, we treat everybody the same, he says, Well, but we're not the same. You and I are not the same. Our existence predates your existence here. So you telling me that I can't fish in this river, a river that we fished in since time immemorial? is you saying that I'm not those people anymore. And so this becomes, I mean, this became really apparent to me and and disturbing because, you know, Stephen Newcomb was trying to explain this to me years ago. And and I got what he was saying, but I didn't fully understand the implications of it all. You know, he, he wrote a piece once, I think it was in Indian Country Today, where he talked about whether we are tribes or not, because that's a label they have put on us. Well. We weren't tribes before you showed up, but are we now? And if we're accepting words like tribal and tribalism and tribal lands and tribal businesses and 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 all of these, if we accept the labels that you're putting on us, does it make us those labels? See, that's the question. You know, and and you know, and this is where you know, where this applies not only to Native people. You know, one of the things that I have to catch myself doing. And, and I hear so many people say this. They, I, I hear a black man saying, well, my grandfather or my great-grandfather was a slave. No, he wasn't. He wasn't a slave. He may have been enslaved. He, he may have been forced into that position. But that doesn't define me. Those words should not define him. And, and, and I, I said before the program, I told Reggie, I said, well, you want to weigh in, please do. There, there's an expression now being used, um, ADOS, you know, or ADO... CS and it means the african defend, descendant of slavery or of chattel slavery and and i get that because not every person who is black in the united states is a descendant of that you know some people came from africa since then willingly not dragged not having their ancestors dragged in the bottom of a boat or not not bred in captivity for the purpose of of slavery so you know i i understand the word black is you know, has a broader meaning than just a color. And it isn't, you're not reducing a, a person just to the color of his, of his skin. That word has been embraced. And, and Reggie, again, please wait any time. That word <laughs> now is tied to culture, and it's tied to music, and it's tied to, you know, to so much more than just the color of skin. So It
1: is used interchangeably. It, I mean, like, if... I know as far as my experience is that the word black and the word African is used kind of interchangeably, you know, just like you're saying, not only with culture, but as people, but it's not just with color, but it's like everything that you just uh, mentioned before, John.
0: Well, and, and 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 again, when we when we can take ownership of the words, that sounds good, but the problem is, It's still being used by others and what their intentions are. And this is where I get into into problems with words like the word tribe, for instance. I mean, the assumption is that when we're referred to as tribes, that it doesn't mean anything derogatory. But you listen to the news... And every time a talking head says something about the tribal regions of uh, Afghanistan or something like that, they mean primitive. They mean backwards. They don't, right. Or when they say, oh, we've really kind of uh, you know, resorted to tribalism. Anytime they want to you know, um, talk about the dysfunction of Congress you know, or whatever else, anytime they use the word tribe or tribalism, it's always a negative thing. So how is it not a negative thing when they're applying it to us?
1: I mean, you don't hear tribes in the way of uh uh when it comes to uh ethnicities in Europe. I mean, because I'm pretty sure that that would be the equivalent to that, but it's never used in that way. Yeah, as because it's because they,
0: it's a derogatory thing. You're not gonna talk about the tribal right, region right, exactly. of, of Ireland.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, like there, there's like an entire uh population of people, the Romani people. Um, that has no nation, but they, I mean, I think they may be the only group that I have heard on a semi-regular basis that is based out of Europe, that is referred to as a tribe, and it is used in that derogatory way.
0: Well, and even when they are talking about people that they've labeled as indigenous, like the Sami, for instance, in the, you know, they still, they don't necessarily associate it with this with this primitive culture or, you know, some sort of a lack of civilization and that kind of thing. So, and you're right. I mean, it's, it's interesting to watch the difference, even the way uh, so much of the world is looking at this, uh, this, this conflict in Ukraine, mm-hmm. you know, it's because, and part of the outrage and part of the, the, you know, amazing amount of support is because they're white people, they're Europeans. And, and, and I've listened I mean, I think Trevor Noah did a, did a whole piece on it where you can hear the newscasters referring, well, and it's not like this is some um, third-world country. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like they can't even... They said, well, I'm going to try to be... I'm going to try to say this per, uh, correctly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... And even as they try, <laughs> they, they can't even... They still insult You know, the the fact that, okay, if violence happens in a third-world country or in Africa or in the Middle East or South America, um, that's not the same... This is Europe, after all. These These are these are white people. <laughs> so I mean, I mean Even this though, is where the labels uh, you know because these labels become not who we are but how we're perceived. It's true. And and then, and that's and I and I and I know you and I've talked about this. I try to catch myself when I say somebody um, you know was a slave. Because I think that is a, that's that is a really big insult to say that a human being was a slave right as opposed to was enslaved because right. being a right. being enslaved right. is something that is done to you being a slave implies some sort of identity and uh, as that you know uh, uh, as that that position that you have been forced under the threat of death let's be clear under the threat of death to be in so these labels yeah. are are something that we have to be careful of and, and look will i never use the word indigenous again I, no, I'm not saying that. But I have to go to lengths to explain that I'm not referring to myself. Uh, do I have ancestors? Sure. Am I descendants of those ancestors? Sure. But I'm not descendants of the Gunyagahaga. I am of the Gunya and, and And that is a big distinction from the way that we are being uh, characterized and the way that we are being labeled. Look, I mean, and it's also a big dis- distinction... <laughs> from all those people who discovered because they did 23andMe and Ancestry.com and say, oh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Indian. You know, I found, it, I found some, you know, uh, little tiny bit of uh, DNA that suggests that. And, of course, it doesn't really say that, but that's the way it gets interpreted. So you get to Elizabeth Warren's, so Look, I'm not a descendant of or a barely a descendant of, of, of an original people. I am still those people. And there's a big difference between those who, whose family lore suggests that their great-grandmothers were Cherokee princess or because they did some 23andMe thing, believe that they now can identify themselves as Native American. I mean, I talked about this on, on previous shows. The, the 2020 census suggests that the Native population increased by something like 89% which is impossible. It's impossible to increase in that decade, you know, from, from 2010 to 2020. It's, and, and that's what everybody, everybody says, yeah, there's something wrong here. And then, so the debate is, well, what does that increase mean then? Is it mean that some people are rejecting their whiteness or maybe even their blackness and, and choosing to identify as Native American, whether they have any, and it's only self-identification, they don't have to prove right. anything, you know, and so, or is it Native people who historically have not participated widely in the census? Did all, we all of a sudden show up? And I don't think either one of those things are are, are true. I Well, I think the, the former is true. I think a lot of white people started identifying themselves as Native American. And, and, and... You know is it does it mean that we're going to see an eighty nine percent increase in in, uh, in funding through Indian health services for our for our medical care? I highly doubt it, especially since you're going to see where a lot of these people are I had done this identification as native people don't live any place near where native people live where there is no mm-hmm. community there is no native facilities or uh, you know or anything to to supply um, you know any and, or to apply any funding to, so th- this is why these labels. And and again, to to just simply have these these broad labels like like Indian or Native American. That anybody, I mean, I, I've heard some white people say, "Well, I'm an American and I was born here, so I'm a Native American." So now they twist even what has become <laughs> the the more conventional <laughs> definition of what that means. And and part of it is because they take offense to the idea. That Native people are still standing on distinction and and the and the fear is that somehow we are we are entitled to something that they that they are not, and so this is where you know where some of that you know comes from so i mean as, as I get you know, as I you know kind of go into this rabbit hole about labels, I realize that how pervasive not just the use of the labels are but how it it, it alters how we are viewed because again, and I, and I see this as I, as I get involved in the mascot debate, I see this now, like I said, this, this major conflict and look, this was a, a several hour standoff that these, uh, uh, these young men, uh, well, and some older guys, um, were involved in with this, with these conservation police ultimately. And I don't know what turned the, um, these officers, but ultimately these guys, you know, walked away with their fish. and But these guys swore that they, they that there was no information that suggested that native people had any special privileges um, as it related to to fishing or hunting. And I've been through this myself. I mean, I've, I've been through this when I was transporting um, uh, game from one territory to another. In fact, I was bringing... Whole Venice, a, a whole deer in the trunk of my car, to a te, to a native territory that was going to be doing some uh, the midwinter ceremonies, and I got I got pulled over because there was blood leak, leaking out of my trunk. You know it happens, uh, so I, I get it. Yeah, pull me over, but, <laughs> but but as the police see me pop over the trunk and there there's a you know two whole deer. I mean they were dressed, but uh, um, he's he's like scratching his head, and you know what? As far as he was concerned, it was out of season. But he said, you guys can hunt these things, right? And I said, yes, of course we can. And they said, so um, where are you bringing them? <laughs> I mean, we got to do a bit of a conversation. But you know, it wasn't confrontational. But when you're at the riverbank with your fishing pole in your hand, and you've got you know, half a dozen fish in your bucket, and the, and the cops tell you you can't be there, and they can't understand that what you're doing is a practice that has been going on for tens of thousands of years. And that they seem to believe that they have the the authority over Native people to tell them you can no longer do this. They say, we have laws. And in fact, one guy was saying, well, there's a fish hatchery. Don't, do you know why the fish hatchery is there? I said, yeah, I know why the fish hatchery is there. It's because you guys screwed up the ecosystem. You've turned you, You've turned this idea of, You know, fishing into a sport where you guys make money selling your licenses, and you've and you've completely uh, completed, uh, you know, um, um, made these imbalances. You've created these imbalances in nature. So then you build a fish hatchery to try to stock the rivers so you can make more money off of it. But don't make it sound like that, that we're somehow responsible for for the need for a fish hatchery. We've been able to sustain ourselves for tens of thousands of years without having to build fish hatcheries. But, it, but it, it's, it was an interesting thing and, and that exchange led me to rethink what Stephen Newcomb told me so many years ago. You know, and he, you know, he also, like I said, he, he wrote this article about the use of the word tribe and, and all of the, the, the primitive and backwards and uncivilized connotation that goes along with it. Yeah, I, I, and look, and I know many people use, these words just kind of flow out of their mouths not out of their brains. You know, people aren't thinking about the etymology or the meanings behind it. But you know what? When we get into the minutiae of a conflict with the state, whether it's over gaming or fishing or or anything else, those definitions start to matter. And when they assert authority over us from thin air, I mean, there's never... I mean, there's never a a definitive line in the history. that says, "Oh yeah, this is when we got to tell you that you couldn't fish anymore," <laughs> or "This is the this is the day that you no longer could uh, you know uh, had your own control over o- over gaming or any other business you're doing." I mean, they try to say that when they pass a law that where none ever existed, they say, "Yeah, this is when we got the authority." Wait, a, we didn't give you the authority. You just uh, assumed it. So. Is that really where you got the authority because you just created a law out of thin air? I mean, they declared in 1924 that all Native people within the continental United States were uh, were hereby U.S. citizens. Well, did that make it so? Because, you know, teams of white men in Washington decided that they were going to make this, this pass this law. They, and they called it the, the Indian Citizenship Act. Which means... <laughs> You're no longer a citizen of your of of your your nations or, or you're no longer exclusively a member of your people's now you're one of ours did did we agree to that i mean and there was we didn't exactly spend you know you know several million dollars lobbying for that right to call ourselves that but I will say part of the problem with these labels is the acceptance of them mm. and 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 I say the same thing you know. And I and I try to look. I try to catch up with anybody who I see accepts a false label or a label that is misleading or has negative implications. And again, the slave thing is is, is one of the ones that, that I I think applies you know specifically to, to and not just to black people. You have to remember that Native people were enslaved first. And you know and and so you know I also have to you know check up when I when I'm talking about this stuff. So so we don't let these words define us because these words oftentimes have meanings that are different depending on who's using them and you know and when lawmakers are creating laws based on the definitions of these words like the word like indigenous peoples," if we are no longer being acknowledged as the original people that predate colonization predate European, you know, contact and, and, and you know, the United States, if, if there's going to be this, this line in the sand that says, no, you're not those people anymore. Well, where is that line? And when did we agree to that? You know, we, one of the things that happened in, um, in, in the conflict in the Middle East was this idea of the United States taking over, taking control of the sovereignty of, um, of Iraq. And then, They they actually did this whole you know big to do over transferring the sovereignty back to the Iraqi people. So there was this you know there was some sort of process, and I don't know who who really acknowledged it, that the sovereignty was taken by the United States and then given back. But nobody can say that where that happened to native people. And keep in mind, we're talking about hundreds of distinct native peoples. And I don't mean like 200, I mean five, six, seven, not the number of federally recognized tribes, but I mean the number of distinct Native peoples. So to suggest that they could just pass the Indian Citizenship Act, that that one word that can lump us all together and say, oh yeah, that's when you guys all became citizens. Really? You're going to impose that upon us? See, these labels, I mean, and and what these labels do, especially when they come up with these, these pan- Indian these pan native um, words, it allows them to pass a, a law like the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. Okay, now we just pass a law that tells all you people that you no longer have the right to regulate your self-regulate yourselves or when you when you develop gaming industry. Now you have to follow the law that we just created, where we gave some of that authority to the states. Really, you you pulled that out of thin air, and you <laughs> stick the word Indian in front of it, so now it applies to all native people. I mean. Reggie, we hear all these conversations about critical race theory, right? <laughs> and never does anybody think that critical race theory applies to native uh, Native people. And 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 again, I know we just saw the the ridiculous display uh, with <laughs> with Jackson uh, um, hearings. Jackson over, Brown, Jackson Brown hearing, yeah, yeah. And you know, but but to be clear, <laughs> what critical race theory is, it's the analysis or the study of the intersection of race and racism and, and, and law and legislative policies. That's what it is. I mean, you know, what, what Cruz tried to say was, well, there, people are saying that everything in life comes down, uh, comes down to race and racism. Well, there's a lot well, that is, and, and, I, and we <laughs> can make some of that argument. You know, because when you pass laws that don't even mention us by name or ethnicity, you have a way of tweaking it so it does become, uh, you know, look, the GI Bill didn't say black people couldn't get um, uh, loans for education and for homes. They just didn't get loans for education and homes. And, but the crazy thing is, and this is where I think any conversation about critical race theory, that doesn't include the laws that actually mention us either by name or by the labels <laughs> that they've attached to us. Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. <laughs> Indian Citizenship Act. I mean, the Civilization Act of, uh, uh, I think it was like 1820 or something like that, which, is, which really laid the foundation to force assimilation upon Native people because we were uncivilized, because we, were, we didn't have the same culture. And that's, what, that's where both the funding and the author, uh, authorization for residential schools that would exist for a hundred years came from. These are laws that were specifically racist in that they applied um, some sort of authority or action against, and I say against Native people, not for Native people. I mean, (laughs) let's be clear. Even the citizenship act was not to give us something. It was to solve a problem that the United States had, which was the fact that there were a whole lot of people and a whole lot of regions still within the United States in 1924 where people were not Americans. They weren't U.S. citizens, nor did they want to be. So, how do you apply law? How do you apply the standards that, you know, uh, or the authority? And because this is, ends up being a jurisdictional battle as well. So, this is how complicated this gets. And I know most people don't even think about this thing. And you know, they're gonna, they're gonna. a lot of people listening to this program are gonna stick to the labels that they know. And, and I, look, if you do so, I get it. And, and, I, and I, that, that goes for native people too. But at least think about it a little bit. You know, the Seneca Nation used to be called the Seneca Nation of Indians. And now they strike the word Indians from, from the name, their name. And they, they have started to use their, the, the word in their own language, which is Onondawaga. means the people of the mountains or the people of the big hills here. And so they've, they've, they've begun to change their names. And we've seen this in other places. But when I get hit with this idea, well, they call it the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Uh, or the, the other one is the National Congress of the American Indian. Well, they still use the word Indian. Well, but you know what? The NAACP, you know, still exists too, but nobody's really calling black people colored people anymore.
1: Well, no. Not nobody, no. but some people no. still are. No. no,
0: So, I mean, just because well, you've yeah. embedded some of these. Ironically. These, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just because you've embedded some of these words in, into uh, institutionalize them doesn't mean that those words are appropriate anymore. I mean, is there wasn't there the United Negro Fund? It still is. Oh see, it's, there you go. It's still that.
1: It's still that, yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean it's so, but, but <laughs> I,
1: I think it's also worth adding, John, on who is just like you're saying, who is um providing these terms? Who is the one who are who were the people that coined the phrase the NAACP or the United Negro College Fund mm-hmm. or 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 any of these things, it's not the people, the so-called marginalized people that are doing it. It's the people that are that feel like they have this savior syndrome to provide this label at the time, and it didn't feel necessary to alter that label of anything, you know, at any time no. soon because
0: it, 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 it because it's minor. It doesn't matter to them. Well, and and it's and that's my point. Because it didn't seem like it was significant. And look, I'm not condemning King for using the word Negro or, or, any, or any other word for that. Matter. No, because, no, no, Because, I mean, it, 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 again, he didn't define that word. He didn't, I mean, he didn't um, uh, invent the usage of that word. I mean, he was using something that was, look, he was addressing the American people in the American vernacular. And, and I get that. And he was addressing, you know, frankly, what, what black people were experiencing in terms of labels. So I and so he I get and that. he
1: himself was uh, and he just like a lot of other people at that time, they were slowly evolving into another term.
0: Exactly, and, and and there's no question that to reach the the to have the access he had required a certain amount of, you know. Uh, and I don't want to say he was indoctrinated and assimilated, but he had to be able to speak the language, so to speak. So he had, uh, yeah. And and that's and that's part of, that, that's part of the issue, I guess. And you know, but at, at some point, I don't care how many years the Seneca Nation called themselves the Seneca Nation of Indians, they've begun to change it now. And, and or I mean, does, is Standing Rock still going to be? i um, How long will they call themselves the Sioux? I mean, I don't know, but I know that there's a lot more pushback. We we now we use. Anishinaabe, we, we use Dene, we use words that, that Lakota, Dakota, Nakota, we're, we're using the words that are our words, not the words that have been pinned on us. And in doing so, for one thing, it, it's just simply more accurate. I mean, if I explain to somebody that, that I'm Gonyagahaga, and it means that that's the people that I come from, and that the the word describes the place that my people come from. And that's the, you know, so th- these are the, the value of, of the words that we use. But you, we, we see our words get, our labels get bastardized or Im- imposed, I mean, you know, I, I used to joke sometimes because there's so many native peoples that have words that are, that, that that come from the French or they come from the church. I mean, uh, you know, my folk, my, my friends up in Aquasasne, that territory, is still on the maps listed as St. Regis. And you know and 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 the and the the um the government up there the Mohawk Nation is not recognized by the, the United States. The St. Regis Mohawk Tribe. I mean you the, I mean they just, none of those four words are our words. Not even the word Mohawk. St. Regis Mohawk Tribe. That's what that's what is recognized by the federal government. Mm. And those words we don't even have native words for those words. You know what I mean? Not really. It's like that. I mean, that. <laughs> I mean so it's like it, that. Wow. So I mean, look is is this show really pushing back and and making a, a profound line in the sand? No, I'm trying to educate, and and I just want people to understand that the labels that are used and the vernacular that is used. Look, I I I address it all the time when I hear certain things, especially especially if I'm watching the news when I hear talking head say something, well, Chet, he sure went off the reservation on that one. Well, what the hell does that mean? And who the hell's Chet? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you're using an expression because you heard it before, but are you thinking about the etymology of the expression? Because what it means to have gone off the reservation is not, it, it, I mean, it's literally comes from the idea that Native people who resisted being confined on the reservation were considered outlaws. And they were, look, they, they could be subject to death. So the, you could kill a hostile. And what was a hostile? The ones who went off the reservation. And, and, and that's, so this, that's where that label comes from. But you know what? That same Chet, you know, uh, would not use an expression like somebody, well, I think you went off the plantation on that one a little bit. You know, because it would be inappropriate. And, it, and this is where sometimes, and, and, I, and I have to draw the distinction, because there is a, a level of racism that Native people experience that is different than anybody else. That, and I, that's what I get into with, with the mascot issue. I mean, there's this, you know, because nobody else is used the way we are, you know, for right. white people running around right. putting, I mean, we know blackface is wrong, but redface is okay. I mean, this is because there's. It's like somehow. Well, it can't be as offensive, you know. No, we're we're honoring you. No, you're not. So we experience some of this this language and some of this vernacular again. When I hear, I rarely hear the word tribe. Um, even you know used in when with us, with the intention of it being derogatory, but every time I hear that word tribe, tribal, or tribalism. Applied anywhere else in in uh, in the media, it's always meant uh, to be somehow uncivilized, unsophisticated, primitive, you know, or or worse, you know, like you know, like we have these you know these these practices that are that are somehow unhuman, and you know, and or inhuman. I mean, this is, and and this has been the experience, though. You know, I, one of the things that I I to sometimes remind people is that. Much of the, the effort to force assimilation on our people, whether it was through residential schools or, or any number of other programs, um, you know, stripping away our, our ability to sustain ourselves, so forcing us into the white man's version of farming, all of this stuff was, was because we were viewed as somehow, not just uncivilized and unsophisticated, but naughty. Un, we hadn't joined the family of humanity. That's literally what politicians were saying. And, you know, when I think about residential schools, and I've mentioned this before, the idea of, of taking our children was a specific crime, not just against the children, but against the mothers. Because this was telling, and they literally said this, that y- you are unfit. You are incapable of raising a child. So we're taking that we're taking that right away. We're taking your children. We're taking your parenting rights away. We are taking your ability to you know progenerate your culture away that's exactly what they did and then they took those children and they said because you are native people we are designated you as mentally deficient in new york state they had beyond the the federal uh, system of, of residential schools there was a state system and there were several schools in new york state that were funded through the board of charities and that Board of Charities, their responsibility had to do with the disabled and the infirmed. So they essentially labeled all Native kids, all Native kids in New York State as disabled, simply for being Native. That was the disability. That was mm. what, what you know, essentially distinguished us from the rest of humanity, just the idea of being Native. And th- look, and I'm not, that's, I'm not saying this as an opinion. This is just a matter of fact. And so when we, we have these conversations about labels and what they mean, you know, we got to, for one thing, we have to own it if we're going to use those words. And Self-determination. Not go, uh, yeah, and not go through the pains and the struggle of redefining. Look, I, the word sovereignty is, is a word that I sometimes struggle with because sovereignty implies some sort of God-given authority. And it's about God giving authority to a select few over the many. You know, so when they talk about the sovereign, they're talking about the king, right? Or if they say that the United States, when they talk about the, the, the sovereignty of a country, they're still talking about the authority over the land and over the people. See, that's not a native concept. That's a concept that came out of the church, that came out of the monarchs. That, and that word still gets used. But when I use the word sovereignty, and, and sometimes they have to take, you know, again, make the effort to explain it. I'm just saying the authority or the right to, to have authority over, your, you know, over your, the decisions you make, over your lives, not the authority over others. Because from a native standpoint, we say the sovereignty is, in, is vested in the individual, not in the, in the mass, in the group, or not in the government. And in fact, in the United States, the <laughs> United States is supposed to be a republic not really a democracy. In a democracy, the sovereignty is invested in the group as a whole, right? You know, you, you, the sovereignty of the masses. But in a republic, that sovereignty is supposed to be vested in the individual, so it's a birthright. Not just the right you gain when you become a part of the group. See, and they don't teach this in school. They don't teach about the, differ- the distinguishing characteristics of a, of a democracy versus, versus a republic. And even though they, you know, for years and years, the United States never used, you know, uh, the political science of the United States. They never defined the United States as a democracy. They do now. But it, it's clear, I mean, the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, right, to the republic for what, it doesn't say to the democracy for which it stands. But nobody even knows what the hell a republic is. And one of the reasons, well, we, that word, we got to be careful because China uses that you know, or, or Russia, oh, you know. Oh, you they you can't use, say that. Yeah, oh, no. Yeah, oh, no. the whole red scare means you got to move away from using the word republic because that's, even though it's embedded in, in, in the party that is, <laughs> that where racism is one of its hallmarks. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, these words matter and we should understand what they mean, where they come from. And when we use them, we either have to, Go at length to explain what we mean by them. Because I I'm a little hesitant to use the word indigenous. Because I know that it's being associated with calling us mere descendants of our of our once proud people. <laughs> and that we aren't those people anymore. We aren't the free and independent people that we were prior to European contact. And and through many, through much of that era of you know, colonization, we, we stood our ground. Well, at what point did we lose that ground? At what point did that, did that end? And, and if you can't tell me when it ended, when did we legally, politically or or governmentally, whatever, when did we cease to be a free people? And if you're saying, well, no, you didn't stop being free. You just became our free. (laughs) Really? And, you know, and, and then, Today to have a park ranger say no, we treat you like everybody else, really. Uh, when did that happen? <laughs> because for a while there, you're kind of killing us, and not like everybody else. <laughs> the guys who carry the guns, they weren't exactly uh, treating us like anybody else. So, when does that happen? And I and I think this is this is a conversation that I've never really had, and and I and I want to go at length here to to, to, to again. Um, express my gratitude to somebody like Stephen Newcomb, who perhaps tried to teach me this lesson, and maybe I just didn't get it. And, and, and I thought I got it, and I, and I guess I understood what he was saying, but I just never fully understood how these labels that we grow to accept it, the usages of can come to define us, even if we try not to allow it. So the best way to not be defined by those labels, is for us to stop using them. And if somebody else uses them. You know, when, when somebody asks me, are you an Indian? I I'm, No, I'm, not. I'm, not. I'm really not, <laughs> you know, and, and, and look, and, and, and that's really kind of a, a unique situation because there are people who, from, because India is a country, and there are people who are from that country who are Indian. And then you get into, well, there's a difference between an Indian American and an American Indian. Oh really? <laughs> so, so you just you flip those words around and they mean two different people. But you know, so you get into this again. When does America define us? And and what yeah. is America? Is it just a landmass? Because it wasn't called that before you got here. You know. So I I know this these may seem like either arbitrary conversations or conversations that don't have a lot of meaning. But I got to tell you. They do. They do because there are actions that take place not only in the halls of Congress and the state legislatures, but policemen, judges, teachers, professors, policymakers of all kinds are using these labels to define us. And we aren't, you know, and uh, I'll take some of the responsibility. We aren't adequately pushing back on those definitions and and too often we've accepted them and by accepting the words we end up accepting some of the definition and this is where we've got to push back and we say no we're going to define ourselves Hollywood's not going to do it you know uh, classic authors aren't going to do it radio's not going to do it tv's not going to do it the internet's not going to do it Wikipedia is not going to define what uh, who I am. We are, we're going to own our identity, and along the way, we're going to push back on any of that identity theft, whether it's mascots, whether it's a whole lot of white people with their Cherokee grandmother princess princess grandmothers or whatever the hell they are. We're going to take we're we're going to take our identity back, and nobody look. Anybody else should not view this as, as losing something because it wasn't yours in the first place. You don't get to define, it is not your place to create this image of what a native person looks like, sounds like, acts like, or, nor is it your right to cast us as only people of the past or today only as descendants of people of the past. Because you're erasing who we are when you say we are mere de- descendants of a once-proud people. We are a proud people. So that's the conversation that I wanted to have today, folks. So <laughs> I hope at least this makes you think a little bit when you hear the labels. And, that, and I'll tell you, every time you hear the news, use the word tribe, tribalism, or, or tribal, I hope you think about this conversation. So I want to thank you for listening. I'm John Cain, and this is Resistance Radio. Yahweh.